voice you're hearing just now is myself, Mick Clockerty. Joining me as always, we have Mr Andy MacArthur. Kirichiwa for the bunker. Hopefully for the last time. Maybe not. Probably not. And your reigning Lordheads champion, Mr Michael McCormick. Thank you, thank you. You're, you're too kind. Oh no, can I just say, Lordheads fucking golden joystick winner also. Golden <laughs> joystick winner. I imagine it's in the post. Andy, I don't know if it was deliberate, but the one you posted on Facebook looked particularly phallic. I thought it was a sex toy. <laughs> well, do you know what? Fucking Dominic Diamond always looked like one to watch, to be fair. And uh, I tried to get him to... That's three times now I've tried to add him, right? He's just fucking snubbing his man. Doesn't he want to know about the podcast? But he was on Twitch, right? And there was about 40 <laughs> he's, people on... He's got twi- a family in that. He's <laughs> staying things. I, I know, I know, I know, man. That's it, man. But um, I got him in, uh, on Twitch, and I got his attention, man. So he said he'll check it out. But it'll probably be a Rab Florence thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're name-dropping somebody else now, I'm confused. Oh, aye. Oh, yeah. we sent it to Rab Florence, and he's not got back to his either. Aye. Rab, Rab Florence is a busy man, and also fucking... He made Consylvania, which uh, I probably fucking rip off when I'm doing this subconsciously. What, 70% of the time? Aye, well, there you go. Right, gents, well, it's a fucking lovely day, actually. I'm uh, I'm sort of shielding myself for the sunlight and kidding on that I'm in a fucking dank basement to record this. <laughs> After the subject of going outside, what have you been playing? So me and the missus have been playing Doom, Doom the 2016 one. Nice. Not Doom Eternal, which is the sequel to that, but um, I picked it up in... CEX a couple of months back and we'll just get around to playing it but it's pretty great it's dead romantic <laughs> I've blown up demons together on that I, I've, I've wanted to play that the, the most I've got as you know probably the, the closest I've got to do is fucking SRB Sonic fucking Robo Blast 2 <laughs> which has been going for about fucking 40 years the, uh, the 2016 Union's fucking class so it is man I had a shot at it in somebody's gaff and it's fucking it's a right good time I it's it's got this whole mechanic where like if you shoot it bad enough times it gets to a kind of weakened state and it starts flashing and then if you then go up and do like a melee attack it'll refill your health so it's encouraging you like to just pure get in amongst the baddies you know um, um, get your health back and do these pure gruesome animations where you fucking break their necks and stuff like that so uh, it's pure it's, it's pretty like pretty frantic you kind of just sit back and snipe um, so I kind of good um, sort of Reimagining of what the original Doom was like, but with modern things. It does a few things that kind of put it a wee bit into the more modern territory. Well, it's modern, like fucking Half Life 2 is modern, or Bioshock. Like, it's got the yeah, kind of audio logs and like um, kind of weapons upgrades and that, but it's all a bit tongue in cheek. <laughs> well, painting. and also, like, to use a, a term we discovered last episode, I like shit like that. See, you're a Lorheed. I, I personally quite like looking for audio logs and listening to them and putting the story together. No being spoon-fed, <laughs> that spoon. Uh, it's quite cool. You're, you're on the um, a sort of intercom with this guy on the um, the Martian base, and, and the Martian base are like trying to extract uh, this new kind of energy, which turns out to be coming from hell. 
in typical kind of doom fashion. Um, <laughs> like the bit I'm on just now, you're kind of you're smashing all these terminals, and um, the guy's going, "Don't do this. You're you're wasting the hell energy. <laughs> the, the hell energy is worth more than your life." <laughs> it's like, you know what they should have done? Uh, they should have know how that fucking Duke Nukem game came out, and it took about. 15 years to make or something Duke Nukem Forever Aye they aptly named <laughs> Aye Exactly But it came out And it was fucking shite Know what they should have done They should have just held fire For a, like, maybe a year or two And brought it out on fucking Just Brought out Doom With the fucking Duke Nukem skin over it And it would have been revitalised Aye there's a Pretty funny website That was up while Duke Nukem Forever Was in development And it was like All the things that have taken Less time to come out Than Duke Nukem <laughs> it was something like <laughs> 10 instalments of the Final Fantasy series, two like lunar missions were like conceived and, and executed. <laughs> like. Probably about 400 extra Pokemon as well. <laughs> Aye. I don't know if you're, you're coming to fly these days, man. Speaking of which, I've been fucking razzing fuck out of Pokemon Black, which is a, a kind of fifth generation black and white. Since Friday, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wee bit fucking ashamed to admit. I've played it for more than 20 hours. <laughs> you were saying you're on like the seventh trainer or something. Like, I think it took me about a fortnight last time we were recording about a Pokemon game to get to like the third or fourth trainer. <laughs> I, ju- I, just, uh, I, I just beat the ice gym. Fucked it up. I got this, I got this week in a candle thing. It's like part fire type, part ghost type. Nice. Like, uh, the wee guy for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> he, he fucking Lumiere, man. That would have been. That, Need you go and find a name writer and change his name now. <laughs> um, but I so generation five is this thing. I'd noticed it on on your kind of listicles, your top ten lists and that. And regularly, it would rate as people's least favorite Pokemon game. And I always wondered why. And I've come to the conclusion that basically it's just because it's fucking hard. Aye. Like they kind of they kind of bring you back to the old school when they go like that, right? There's only 150 Pokemon you can get to start with in this, and that's it. I like that. And, and they're all fucking new, so you just you're starting from scratch, and you need to learn what all the new ones do. Um, nah. They also fucking revamped the experience point system, so that you can't grind. It's more fucking about strategy than gaining extra levels. So when you fight your gym leaders and that, they're usually a higher level than you. So you need to fucking outsmart them. And the other thing is that fucking everything is a weird combination type thing. Like, you think you've got it all worked out, and then it's like, oh no, this thing's fucking half bug, half water. So it's not a water type, so your, your thing doesn't do as good on it. Fucking, it's an increasingly fucking complicated game of paper, rock, scissors, but this is like the most complicated version of it, and I quite like it. Aye, that's what I was kind of struggling to get my head around with um, Leaf Green. <laughs> it was the kind of the, the combination types, like... Oh, is it going to be weak to this, or like because it's got half of this? Is it does that make it not weak to it and <laughs> stuff like that? Well, I've, I've still got my playground memories. Uh, playing red and blue. That's I'll need to get into the newer games. I mean, it's it's a big thing for it. That franchise to move away from like grinding and like kind of RPG elements in it. Man. Well, they so what they did is there's still random battles and fucking experience point gaining, but they. They gave it a tweak, which is when you're on a higher level than anything, the experience you gain for that starts to become fucking basically worth it. And then if you fight anything on a higher level than you, you get fucking well-mere experience. 
So oh, that makes sense, I suppose. Like the game, a game kind of rewards you, know, just going and fucking fighting hunters and hunters a week or things, and it, it starts to not be worth it because it'll take you fucking hours to get levels. Okay, that's that's pretty good because that's kind of how I was how I was achieving things on Fire Red was just kind of like sort of like Cream was like um can I go in somewhere a wee bit earlier on and just attacking somebody that's way way less powerful than you and grinding that way so it's, it makes the battles a bit more exciting and the thing you were saying as well about like um, uh, it goes back to having 150 Pokemon I imagine a few folk were quite upset with that because they were pretty upset with the Switch version um, which did a similar thing kind of get your favourites in it well see this issue just it's just for a core game so beating all the gym leaders and then winning the league and then once you do that, Professor Oak, or fucking Professor Juniper it is in this one, goes, here you go, fucking, I've upgraded your Pokedex, and now you can go to this fucking island and catch all your favourites for the previous generations. Or you can have somebody swap your them in. <laughs> they're no, they're just locked out of the game while you're playing uh, the main okay. quest. Yeah, again, and it makes it harder again, which, which I like, but... Wasn't it popular? Predictably, um, well, as, as I predicted anyway, Sword and Shield is introducing all the old ones back in um, DLC. Aye, fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Cash cow as usual. Although, don't kid yourself, if I had a Switch, I'd be fucking sat in my scants playing that fucking every day during lockdown. <laughs> right, Andy, what about yourself? Anything you've been particularly fucking tuned into over the last wee while? I hate. I downloaded Skyrim, so I've been lost in a lot of hours to that, man. Um, I played it briefly for a wee while, but I never really get into it as much as I did like, New Vegas and that, but it's a different kind of vibe that's going on um, with Skyrim, but yes, you know, you play it for an hour, you just, you just go to yourself, this is just basically... So, the... so what, what I wonder is when, I'm, when I talk to anybody that's playing one of these things is... Because there's different ways to play a game... So I, I play as one of your dark elf types, and I like to be fucking all sneaky, wee fucking creepy guy, crawling about, fucking picking people off with a far, slitting their throats and that, uh, using a wee bit of illusion magic. Do you find yourself being much merrier fucking... In my head, I would picture you being like a big fucking barbarian cunt, just running in, fucking mashing, smashing everybody. No, 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 not at all, eh? For, the first thing I try to do is look for a stealthy character that can... Talk his way out of violence. Aye. In this game, I noticed, I knew right away, in Fallout you're using guns all the time, but I knew there was going to be a close combat in this one. I see that it's, it, it's speech skill in fucking Skyrim basically does nothing. It gets you cheaper items at a shop, but it's worth fuck all. Aye, I've, not, I've, I've used it twice so far, but money usually they take. They don't really take your shit, they're just money in Skyrim. Because like Fallout um, 1 and 2... Or maybe Black Isle, and then Bethesda picked up the series for the 3D ones. So the whole being able to talk your way out of encounters and like various different solutions to quests that was much more of a um, a Fallout thing and sort of old school isometric RPG thing that Bethesda then Aye. continued. But it's never really been as much a thing in the Elder Scrolls games. Plus the whole kind of you know these type of games like Lord of the Rings inspired games there's not much room for diplomacy is there <laughs> it's, all, it's all war and fucking fighting and magic innit Aye, it's, um, it's um, Tolkien's Catholic background man it's a war good versus evil <laughs> not much nuance <laughs> although to be honest I would love to fucking rock up to one of the big dragons and fucking go <laughs> mere a minute 
and it lands in the ground and then get into a long philosophical debate with him. It's like, you know how like, in, in Grand Theft Auto it's like, fun just to fucking get down the street just run everybody over, there's no consequence in that. Aye. That's the way I went in this game to start just to find out the battle system. I end up fucking raiding a village and fucking running into an inn killing the fucking barkeep and that. And it wasn't until later on when I was talking to you and telling you, I was like, have I got a fucking problem? <laughs> you were horrified. Well, see, 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 to be fair, I think I was a wee bit harsh on you because later on I went back to my, I cast my mind back to my first time playing this thing and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I ended up with a fucking, like I, I was fucking about and I accidentally like hit a chicken with a spell or something. Then every cunt in the village started going, stop thief and like attacking us and that. <laughs> then I ended up killing a couple of people and running away. There was hundreds of guards chasing me like Benny Hill. It's really easy to just fucking make everybody on the map fucking aggro against you in these games. Aye, Aye because like when you commit a crime, um, the guards are psychic, and every guard all across the world has you branded as a criminal. You get chased out every fucking town you go to. So I learned how to use a battle system, a sword, and a shield, and all that. Um, and after I was done maiming, pillaging, I fucking restarted the game. <laughs> <laughs> And I had to go through the tutorial. I had to get through the bit when you're in the back of the van. No, it takes ages. So, I've, I'm at a bit where, right, you start the game and obviously you, you go to Imperials and Imperials send me to Greybeards. Aye. So the Greybeards have just kind of christened me as Dragonborn, man. So I've got a couple of shouts. I can't believe this, Patter, man. Fucking, I was about fucking 28 hours in before I even thought about going to see Greybeards. <laughs> you can get your main quest to fuck. I'm going to go and do what I want. Well, that's what I plan to do now. I've done enough of eh, fucking main quest. I, fell, I nearly fell out with it because of that fucking puzzle with a snake. I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking idiot. I couldn't, I couldn't work out how to get to the greybeards. I kept, know how you can kind of do that thing where you jump sideways up the mountains? I kept trying to do that to get to the greybeards, but it's like pure Mount Everest or something. I couldn't find the path that you need to walk <laughs> up to get them. <laughs> Aye, well, this game seems to have had a lot. Well, it, I, it's a big, massive open world, but there might only be one way to get to this place, and it's running the other way you go around the mountain. Do you know what I mean? It's a fucking... I, I know exactly what you mean. It looks vast and it looks open, but there's intricate pathways as well that you can only access through going pure missions. But it's well designed, man, that way, because if it was just a pure open sandbox game, you'd just have GTA, wouldn't you? But this is um, this world feels like it's, it's living and breathing and... Very interactive. You've got to kind of guide the, the players to the, the right place somehow if it's not, make it not too open. They talked about that way in Breath of the Wild, like to say, look, wherever you are, you can basically, it's designed so that you can always see something in the distance that's worth going to. Aye. So they don't need to give you a big quest marker, it's just like, oh, there's a mountain over there, like, what, what if I go and climb Aye. it and that sort of thing, and then you'll find something and, important. Well, and as well, when you look at your Fallout 3 and your Fallout New Vegas, that's literally a fucking party follow. New Vegas, you nearly walk a fucking straight line going through Aye. each fucking turn in the main quest till you Aye. actually get to fucking New Vegas. So, they, they need to do it to some extent. But obviously, if you're a wee bit fucking more familiar with the world, you've done a bit of the main quest, that's the point where you go, ah, do you know what? What's in this fucking direction? What about that? I'm pretty sure I'm not going to die anymore if I go this way. And then, boom. Join the Mages Guild or something. Aye. I played a good bit of Witcher, and uh, now that I've played this, obviously there's a lot of similarities between the two games. But do you know what? I would say that see Witcher, right? Witcher has got fucking amazing writing. The writing will give you heebie jeebies, like, 
the way they write about the witches and that. You know what I mean? It's mental. I think the Witcher Three is more it's more story focused, isn't it? And the quests and that is why everyone kind of remembers. It's well written, brilliantly written. But in and this one, it, it's still well written, but it's got a kind of kind of doesn't take itself as serious. You know? It's this thing where Western RPGs have usually taken the fucking step to say well, we're not writing a main character because you do that in your head. Like, Aye, that's the, the main character is whoever you make up. You're not playing as fucking Geralt or whatever he's called. Blank that's slate. a key difference. Aye. Aye, you're, you're being a blank slate, aye. I like that. I like that. But, um, I, man, see, I was a bit annoyed, isn't it? And as you said, you're wandering about before you even get to Greybeard's just looking about and just going... Half the time when you go over a mountain, the music comes on and you're just fucking blown away with what you're seeing on the screen. The Elder Scrolls has got a lot of mad interest in lore as well, but you basically never encounter it in the main game. It's just in books and that. I, I, read, I read some of your books, but wild meandering kind of tales a fucking 3,000 years ago. When I'm just nah, you want, uh, what you want is fucking... You want your pride, once you've got a house and that set up, fucking... Pride a place on your bookshelf. You want every edition of what's called the Lusty Argonian Maiden. <laughs> and that's, that's about yes. one of the lizard people, but she gets pumped. And it's all these kind of that's innuendos nice. and that. Brilliant. I don't know, man. Skyrim, I, I don't know where to go now. It's like, I'm in the middle of nowhere, an and there's a good chance you might not walk into a town for about 40 miles. The Witcher gives you a horse. I love it in The Witcher 3 your horse automatically follows the road unless you tell it not to. That's, a, that's oh, an amazing feature. Like that. And it actually runs like a horse, man, in Skyrim. It's... It doesn't. <laughs> Skyrim, you're just walking fast, effectively. It runs me like a fat zebra in a horse. <laughs> I'll keep you updated. My, I'll, I'll, I'll make this like a... Maybe for the next few weeks, I'll update you on my fucking travels through Skyrim. I don't know about you, listener, but I personally would appreciate an Andy Skyrim journal type feature. <laughs> um, so I hope that's long running. <laughs> what, what genocide have you committed this week? <laughs> <laughs> no, I put it behind me like Edie Amin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like Gerald Buttnaked is a born again uh, Christian. <laughs> right, he's a both getting yellow cards. Um, <laughs> right, I'm going to the, the the conceit of this week's episode is basically we've been chatting away about basically wanting to shift the focus briefly away from the beloved home consoles of our childhood and talk a wee bit about the beloved fucking arcades of our childhood. No. It's maybe a wee bit strange to think about games that we would play in a, a social situation crowded with other people while we are fucking isolated. But, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just the way your mind goes, I guess. So for this year, we've picked a game each, just an arcade game. We've been fucking about with these meme emulators, RetroArch, whatever. And we're, we're just going to talk about a game each that we want to talk about. Next week, we're going to do the, the usual thing where we swap each other one. But for now, it's just just a dealer's choice, I guess. Hi, so I'll be kicking things off with a game called Fantasy Zone. It's a bit of a favourite of mine. So this was a game that came out, I think it was in 1986, before I was born. <laughs> um, but as with quite a lot of these arcade games, I often find it quite incredible just how good they looked like that long ago. Like You kind of forget that these arcade systems were a lot more powerful than your home consoles at the time, and it was quite a long time before they uh, they caught up. So this game came out on a, a Sega arcade board called the System 16, which is 
probably comparable in, in specs to the, the Sega Mega Drive. Uh, I think I played it first just under emulation, kind of Mega Drive port it. And what kind of attracted it to me was just the these colours, these pure like, vibrant uh, colours there. It's kind of set across all these like alien worlds with sort of mad looking uh, plants and, and landscapes and stuff like that. And that's something that always kind of uh, appeals to me. See, the, the arcade shoot-em-up genre, usually, uh, other than notable exceptions like Parodius and fucking Fantasy Zone, they tend to be a wee bit more kind of grown-up, a wee bit cool. Like, they try to be a bit more gritty and edgy. Do you know what I mean? Everything looks a bit kind of alien and scary. I like... There was some that were kind of like maybe World War Two sort of themed, but most of them were probably uh, sci-fi sort of themed. And I guess that comes with like limited technical stuff. You know, it's much easier to draw space, which is just black with a few stars in it, <laughs> than it is to draw a detailed background. But I, I started with Space Invaders, you know, it had a science fiction theme. And then R-Type took it a step further away. R-Type had this kind of HR Geiger sort of biomechanical sort of look to it which as you're saying was, was pretty scary and then and that, everybody else seemed to fucking take that and run with it then because so many of them fucking look like that aye Zero Wing um, being the first one that comes to mind but um, that's the kind of default look for a shooter but this one is just um, aye, it's, it's just really really colourful you've got all these kind of wee cartoon creatures in it and that's kind of that, that kind of drew me in and kind of made me a bit curious what the game was like do you remember I gave you that game Tempo? Tempo and it was um, it looked Aye. it looked amazing, but it was like style over substance. Aye. Would you say this game kind of backs up in both areas, or would you say that because uh, the first thing it jumps out at me when I look at this game is just pure. It looks like a Nintendo game, man. It doesn't look like a Mega Drive game. But do you think that's the selling point? Do you think that's what made it stand out? Or do you think? Um, I think that's maybe what kind of first attracts people to it. But there's a there's a solid game behind it. Aye. So this game, it's not really a conventional side-scrolling shooter like something like R-Type for example where the screen is scrolling along and you can just move up and down and left and right you're kind of in control how the screen scrolls effectively it's like a long level that kind of loops back in itself horizontally so you can move left and let's scroll to the left or right and scroll to the right and uh, what you're trying to do in each level is there's a number of these enemy bases they're kind of like factories that spout enemies so you've got to scroll across the level, find these things and shoot them either with a gun or with bombs and, um, and destroy them. So it gets a bit like, it's a bit hectic because you've got all these, these factories kind of like creating these enemies. So the, the whole level's filling up with all these different types of enemies and they've all got like different movement patterns and kind of ways that they behave and stuff. So if you've got a lot of them on the screen, it's like quite a lot to keep track of. Nice um, so it gets it gets quite difficult. You've got to do a bit of um, crowd control, sort of like clear the screen of um, as many enemies as you can, just so that they're out of your way. Then destroy these these factories with a few. Uh, they take multiple shots to defeat, so it's probably best if they're kind of if the way is clear to do that. One one thing that stood out to me, and apologies actually if this isn't in the arcade version, I was playing the the Master System port. Rather than... It's a good port, that one. Oh, I, Master System seems to be... For, for, for kind of 80s arcade games anyway, you're kind of... I mean, the Sega machines were always your yeah. daddies for, for arcade uh, ports, weren't they? That was a, that's a whole bit. So I, I noticed that, having played a couple of these shoot-em-ups just fucking about with MAME over the last couple of weeks, usually you destroy an enemy, you collect a power-up, 
you know, you might get a flamethrower or a more powerful laser or something like that. In Fantasy Zone, on the Master System anyway, you had to collect coins, and then right. every now and again, there would be like a shop that would appear from when you destroyed an enemy, and you would need to fly into that, and then fucking buy upgrades. I, it's fucking un- you unusual. You get this in the arcade too, and I, I kind of thought that just came from the home version, like Super Fantasy Zone, but that was also in the arcade as well, which is pretty, like, Aye. pretty interesting. Like, Sega done that quite a lot. Really with their IPs, they done it with Alex Kidd and that. It's like, it's a thing you buy a card and it's got like an item on it type of thing and it will say like 300 points to buy kind of aye. aye yeah I suppose it might have been influenced by that so like once you collect at least 2000 coins which you can get for bases or enemies um, a wee balloon appears and you go to the shop and then in the shop you can buy a few different things you can buy engine upgrades which make you move faster you can buy weapons um, so like you can buy like a, a laser beam that's like much wider it can attack kill more things kind of um, vertically um, or you can buy a laser beam which kind of constantly fires and is really powerful you can buy bombs which are they kind of go down below you in an arc so they're good for taking out these bases and you can buy extra lives but the prices go up each time you buy them so you kind of just completely like you know grind and get loads of extra credits and then finish the game because it starts off at 5,000 coins and the next one's 20,000 and the next one's however much but I found that a really uh, a really cool feature, like rather than just you know getting um, getting upgrades, and it's kind of not too unbalanced either because like the if you do buy a really powerful weapon, you only get it for a set amount of time. It starts ticking down, um, and if you fire it, it ticks down even further. So you kind of you know just kind of get yourself tooled up in level one, and then destroy all the all the, all the other enemies. So it's pretty cool. You you've got to be thinking about you know how my best to spend my money here like should I should I get this now and tidy up these easy enemies or should I save it for for later when I might need it a bit more I had a wee shot earlier I was like no seriously gaffer I'm having system issues like, <laughs> right. fucking wee bit of fantasy zone um, so I was fucking about <laughs> and I I, 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 um, I bought this wide laser thing I was like no we're talking I was sweeping, sweeping everything up and then it turned back into my regular one. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before I knew it, fucking buffed explosion. Deed. Oh, well, I played it on a Mega Drive Mini. It's on that. It's one of the, the games that are on it when you get it. But um, uh, Super Fantasy Zone, that one's called. But it's, ah, it's pretty much the, the original thing. arcade one. Uh, but, uh, I, I, it jumps out at you, the, the big bright graphics. But I, I can't think. In these games, there's too much going on in the screen. Nine times out of ten for me, man. I, as I said, it's quite hectic and it's um, you die in one hit, um, like a lot of these classic shooters, uh, which is pretty painful. Although, if you've destroyed, let's say, four bases in a level when you die, those four are still destroyed. So it's alright. But I, the, the difficulty comes from, unlike a lot of shooters, it's, it's not the amount of bullets on the screen, it's the amount of actual baddies on the screen. Um, some of the baddies can shoot at you, but most of the time you're just trying to dodge them themselves. One thing I've been curious about, and I think you're going to be able to clear this up for us, is that I always assumed when I play this, play the Mega Drive one yonks ago when I played that Master System one, that there was some uh, instruction manual story about a space crew. But it seems to be that the spaceship itself is actually the character, Oppa Oppa, and you <laughs> you said that the story was melancholic or something, and I was just kind of wondering, like, what fucking story? But what, what better time than now to, to ask you? <laughs> I, like... That that was quite surprising to me as well. Like, Opa Opa is the character 
It's not it's not a spaceship that Oboba cuts about in, it's literally a sentient a sentient thing. Kinda of looks like a wee spaceship. He's got wings, but also if you go down to the bottom of the screen you can see that he's actually got legs that he walks about in. So he's a weird kinda of fucking like living living spaceship sort of creature. That's fucking bizarre. Um, but either um, <laughs> the story was like I'll read out the kind of opening like crawl that you get if you leave it on the kind of starting <laughs> screen. Fuck. And let, just tell me if this reminds you of something because uh, there's a few parallels that I want to a long time ago in a galaxy far, far <laughs> you've, away. You've no? got it. You've got it in one. <laughs> right, but but specifically, right. So okay, in the space year fourteen twenty two, the interplanetary monetary system collapsed, causing all of the planets to become panic stricken. According to an official inquiry made by the Space Guild, someone is leading the Menon Planet Forces, using them to steal the foreign currencies of the other planets, and with the funds, construct a huge fortress in the Fantasy Zone. I think he's reading a Star Wars episode <laughs> by a spec script. Um, I, I don't know if it's... Oh, fuck it. That's, that's plenty anyway. Um, but... Aye, that, it made me think of Star Wars Episode 1. You're reading about the fucking planetary monetary system and trading disputes and shit like that. So is, is Opa Opa flying about bombing planets and stealing their currency so that he can take on the baddies and fucking overthrow them? <laughs> well, that's, that's the interesting thing, because like, the, the story takes a bit of a, a weird turn, more so much in the, in the sequel, but at the end of the first game, you fight a boss at the end of each level... And in the last level, there's a kind of boss rush, but then the very last boss is a just a massive version of you, and you're like, what? What the fuck is this? Like, why am I? Why am I fighting this? Turns out it's your father. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so you've got to fight your own dad. Um, which I mean, that's the fucking definite Star Wars reference. Well, it's 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 fucking. It's Joseph Campbell again, mate. That's a fucking hero's journey. <laughs> Opa, Opa is Jesus. He, <laughs> Jesus never had to fight, fight God. <laughs> had to, it's atonement with the father. Father-son stories are very important in mythology. Ah, okay. So, yeah, instead of like a kind of congratulations, you know, you've, you've saved the fantasy zone, you get a thing, it's like, I've just got this lingering wonder, like, why why was it my dad? Why was my dad the leader of the, the men on forces? In in the sequel, things get fucking really weird because the game is like you're basically called up to defend uh, the fantasy zone again, and you go through each level. But this time, there are uh, portals that sometimes appear on the level, and if you go through a portal, it flips you to the kind of uh, the dark world, so a kind of dark mirror version of the the level. It's get more difficult bodies, and. If you stay in the bright side on the uh, on the easy levels, your Opa Opa starts getting kind of darker in palette as the levels go on, and then you get to the end and you have to fight what turns out to be the good half of Opa Opa's personality. You've turned evil, and this is the kind of evil side because of all the trauma you've suffered. You've become an evil, destructive Opa Opa, and the final boss is the good one trying to defeat you. So it turns out that your dad knew this. He knew that you were. He had this kind of darkness inside you, and he kind of made you go through this inner journey to uh, confront your demons. So at um, what point did they drop LSD and make the world go <laughs> fucking insane? I think, I think LSD is a, a big influence to this. I mean, you can tell with the kind of colourful backgrounds uh, and the kind of fucking seventies prog rock sort of title screen. 
<laughs> right, I'm 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 a wee bit speechless here because the amount of times that we've discussed a Japanese computer game and Andy has made a crash reference to World War Two. This is definitely fucking about World War Two. <laughs> can, can you elaborate? No. <laughs> no, um Opa Opa fucking suffering trauma for what he's been doing, fucking <laughs> uh, following orders, you know, having to atone with that previous generation, oh, maybe oh, oh, what oh. they were about. That ending um, turns out you've yeah you're, you're evil. Um, you've been consumed by darkness, and you're just going to destroy the entire fantasy zone. And it also mentions that um, the protagonist of Space Harrier and his dragon are going to show up and try and defeat you. Um, it's right. a wee Easter egg. Um, so he doing? <laughs> I've not seen him in a while. <laughs> a fucking shared universe, man. This is cool. Aye. So, in the good ending, basically, if you go through the dark levels and defeat all of them, then you actually defeat the evil version of your personality, and your dad turns up to congratulate you for fighting your your demons and getting through to the other side. So, why it's a fucking Kojima esque fucking deconstruction simulation of the first game designed to prove some sort of psychological point. Um, fucking mind blowing. <laughs> Aye, sounds well, it, man. I mean, <laughs> it's it's clear now that uh, Fantasy's own, much like Metal Gear Solid Two, is for the philosophers among us. <laughs> Aye, absolutely. Hey, that are people that like break graphics? Aye, <laughs> yeah. The sequel to this game is, had quite a kind of interesting story behind it. So, like, Fantasy Zone came out on this arcade system called System Sixteen. The sequel was a. Uh, a home console only one it came out on the, the master system obviously less capabilities than the arcade machine and then they they ported it to the arcades but that kind of meant that the arcade version was technologically inferior to the first game on the arcade you can see it if you play it in the emulator it doesn't really look as good the animations aren't as good in that lower resolution so the developers of this game, it was something that was always bugging them, that the sequel never came out uh, to its full potential using the original arcade board. So in 2008, they were given the the opportunity to kind of like re-release Fantasy Zone on this Sega Ages collection on the PS2. And they decided to remake the second one uh, for the ground up. And they they made it like basically playable on the on the original hardware under emulation. So I, the version that you download actually never came out on an official arcade system, but it's kind of emulated by the PS2. <laughs> just to, I just like the idea that you know that it was um, twenty two odd years later they were they were still thinking about it, thinking, oh, would it not have been great if we, if we brought it out in the arcade and do it justice? That's fucking passion. That's do you know what? That's a couple of like, fucking people that still went to bed thinking about it. Aye. Going, how fucking good could Fantasy Zone 2 have been, though? <laughs> <laughs> aye. So, aye, I like that wee story. But, aye, yeah, I mean, overall, it's kind of, you'd recommend it. It's a, a feast for the senses. I mentioned the I mentioned the graphics and the colours. There's a, there's a weird um, sort of, I, I find this quite charming, but the sprites are a bit, a bit wonky, in a sense. Like, there's something a bit kind of off about the shading. Like, sometimes that it's just these big blocks of flat colour. There's not really proper shading to it. Um, other times it does this thing which is kind of known as pillow shading. don't know if you've heard that term, but like if you start getting into kind of making pixel art and people are on forums of pixel art say that's a kind of, it's a schoolboy error that people make when they're like shading pixel art. 
rather than thinking about like how light and shadow is hitting something, what they do is they make the inside of the sprite a bright colour, and then as it moves towards the outside, it gets darker, which basically makes it look like a pillow. And this this game has quite a lot of that, <laughs> um, and it was kind of fixed in the sequel, but I just kind of find it find it interesting. That it was maybe they were at this point they were still learning their ropes a wee bit where they are. And if nothing else, it makes it look unique. Aye. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it looks pretty cool. Um, music as well. Um, it's really good. You know, Sega are, are pretty known for that. This one's got that kind of lovely slap bass that you get in um, basically every other Mega Drive game. <laughs> um, it was apparently influenced by Samba, a bit of a Samba influence. So you can hear kind of uh, that kind of Samba whistle that you usually get, that kind of pattern. Just for when I'm listening back, can we get a wee taster? Aye, go for can it. taster added in. Brilliant. Nice one. Substance either, but it's plays pretty good too. This is this is one thing I'm going to ask the Bethies uh, during your final thoughts. I'm going to bring us back actually to childhood a wee bit and okay. ask you: Is this fucking value for money? See if you you walk past this thing in Largs and it's got a, a twenty p price sticker on it. How long a shot are you going to get? Or you know, to get past a couple of levels actually, if you can do some quick maths. Would you need to launch like a fiver into this thing to see level three? So I would say you probably do need to put in a few coins to, to see level three. But right, unlike your kind of your beat 'em ups, your kind of turtles in time or whatever, this isn't a game where if you put in another coin, you get to continue where you started off. Um, you get three lives per credit, and once you die, that's it. I mean, you can buy them in the shop, but you can't just cheese the entire game by... Bubble Bubble's the exact same. You lose your... You, you run out of lives, fucking... Back to your first flare. You can get more lives by uh, points. I think the the other way was maybe more of a recent invention. And I kind of like this better because... I mean, it, it means that the game's balanced in such a way that it, it probably is possible to finish it on one coin. Unlike the, like, the Simpsons arcade game or something, I don't think... I don't think that... That is possible. The game is designed to make you load as many coins as possible no. to finish you, the game. If, if you wanted to see what happened when you beat Mr. Burns, I'm telling you, about a tenner, honestly. <laughs> that is fucking <laughs> weak pocket money for that. <laughs> well spent. <laughs> right, will we move on to Bubble Bobble. Aye. This thing's been fucking consuming my life. Right, um, Bubble Bobble. If he's permit me, I'm probably going to start us off here with a wee bit of story time. 
Go for it. Aye, do what you want, man. So, Bubble Bobble was designed by this guy called Fukio Mitsuji, who tragically died in 2008, so fucking R.I.P. a real one. R.I.P. my man. Basically, Mitsuji was... It strikes me, anyway, as a kind of creative guy that was working in an industry that maybe a lot of the time only saw the pound signs. So while he worked at Taito, who, you know, had designed Space Invaders to their credit, you know, they weren't the, they weren't the wee dafties in the industry, they, they made good shit, but he saw their output for at least while he was working there to be waning a wee bit, and maybe all they were interested in was churning out games that got people to force in an R-coin, an R-coin, an R-coin. He didn't really think what they were doing was, was up to snuff. So he was a big fan of what was going on at Namco, another fucking great and sort of seeing the innovation that was going on at a competitor, he kinda decided, right, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna fucking take on the lessons for another company. I'm gonna fucking make something at Taito. I'm gonna make Taito great again, to borrow a crash right wing phrase. <laughs> so he designed a racing game and a shoot 'em up which I kind of lost the time. I, I don't even know the names of them. I, I didn't put them in my notes. And then when he was making his third game, when he was designing it, he fucking just decided, I think, to go, fuck it. I'm making something fucking unique this time. So he set about designing Bubble Bobble with a couple of mission statements in mind. He wanted a unique type of gameplay that hadn't really been in anything else before. He wanted a more kind of comical setting. And maybe most notably of all, he wanted cute graphics that would appeal to lassies. Hmm. Didn't really have that much of maybe in the 80s in Japan. Well, you um, Pac-Man, just fucking stick a bow on it. <laughs> well, Miss, Miss Pac-Man was the, was the Sonic Mania at its time. That was a pirate game that they, they fucking hired the pirates to fucking work for yeah. Midway. There you go. But apparently, Mitsuji fucking... One of these guys lost sleep, was fucking working tirelessly. He had a notepad full of a hundred ideas, and he kind of went through them meticulously, fucking crossing ones out, going through other ones. His office, reportedly, was full of stacks of paper because he had a habit of any time he got an idea, he would just write it down, fucking put it on a piece of paper, put it in the pile. Eventually, he settled on an idea. The core mechanic of this game would be fill a screen up with bubbles. That was the thing he couldn't get out of his seat. I want fucking I want you to be able to shoot bubbles. <laughs> I think I think people will like filling a screen up with bubbles. Um, there was an early concept where you played as robots, he said, get that to fuck. You play as fat wee dinosaurs that shoot bubbles at <laughs> their mouths. And that, that was really all it was to crack it. Became a fucking classic arcade game. Easy to learn, difficult to master. It had everything. And that was him. I would say an artist working in a fucking field of money men, perhaps. I also had fucking different types of innovation. You had multiple endings. I don't know if that was a first, but it certainly wasn't the, the, the run of the mill for the time. Um, mm. And also, Mel, that it was... I don't know, co-op play was fucking very much encouraged to the degree that, well, you couldn't get the regular ending unless you were playing as a duo. But I, I, I really just wanted to kick off by talking about this guy, uh, Fukio Mitsuji, because 
just, I, I just think he was a cool guy. I, I like that he didn't just want to make dough. He wanted to make something fucking good. Do you know what I mean? He cared about what he was doing. That's sort of thing you need in the industry, man. That's the people that get remembered. Let us all remember them tonight. So, fucking Bubble Bobble, I don't know if you said much of a fuck about it. Gameplay mechanics, fairly simple. You, or as they prefer, you and a pal control these bubble dragons or dinosaurs. I don't really know what that might be. Dinosaurs, (laughs) maybe. Simple kind of platforming. You jump about a screen, you defeat enemies by trapping them in a bubble, and then pop, you pop the bubble, that kills the enemy. The enemies turn into various items, like fucking pieces of fruit usually. You collect the, the items for points. Also items appear random on a stage, but I maybe get to that a wee bit later. Let's get the Space Invaders thing, where if you take out everybody in the, the level, and you've left one guy outside a bubble left, that one gets aggro as fuck, starts running about pure fast, trying to kill you. Have you seen that in a few games uh, that era? I think Joust does a similar thing. If you hit an enemy off of the bird and it, you don't kill it at the second time, then it comes back stronger. And actually, I... Space Invaders, that was a like a, unintentional. It was kind of a, a glitch. Because like, the game, say it took like 10 milliseconds to move every every Space Invader on the screen. Um, as you start taking them out, the game loops through them faster and they start moving faster. It's funny the way limitations sometimes lead to just fucking classic moments like that. Happy accidents. Uh, bubble Bobble, so it's a single screen at a time, I should say. Once you clear out all the enemies in one screen, jumps you ahead to the next screen. There's a hundred in total. So not only if you leave one left, does it get all aggro and get faster. If you spend too long on any given screen, it tells you to hurry up. Everything starts moving about all fast, try to kill you. And then if you take too long during that phase, a fucking horrible, weak and unkillable... White Hang shows up and basically just chases you till you die. Fuck. It's quite scary. <laughs> That's a bit stressful. Um, I feel like these games were kind of maybe like the the ancestor of platformers as we know them, like for Super Mario Bros and stuff. It's a wee bit similar to the arcade Mario Brothers game where you had you know two two of them and they've got to cut about like bumping these wee turtles, then to go upside down and kicking them away. I don't know if that came out maybe after Bubble Bobble. But these wee games where you're jumping about platforms on a single screen, I think that seems to be the, the, the genesis of that. I, w- one screen at a time again, very much like the, the, the very first Mario Brothers, uh, the arcade one. I, I. I like that. I've liked that playing some of these these older games because you kind of, you see some ideas that have stood the test of time and they've kind of went on to influence other games, but you also see ideas that you just don't anymore, that just like never really became... Mainstream like games like that, single screen platformers, and also games like Fantasy Zone, where you scroll about left and right, are just non-existent. Like oh. barely anything has has taken that up in the years following. They were just basically they they were the foundation for what came after. Basically, Aye, they were trying everything out. It was a kind of very experimental time. Like what the ideas we have of of genre, like oh, this game's a shooter, and this game's an RPG, and this game's a a platformer like they weren't quite as fixed as, as they are now aye just, it's an interesting like, time the most that could took out these games like Donkey Kong and games like that are the the IPs the, the actual like, personalities aye, the characters, the characters the aye, they get took on rather than the obviously the, the single screen kind of games because once you get scrolling and all that, that they kind of just patch them for aye, shooters and stuff don't they? Aye. well there's a 
a quirk in design. I'm no a quirk, but something that they had planned for this, which is why when you beat it by yourself, the game tells you, no, come back fucking on two-player and beat it the real way, is because Mitsuji had envisioned this thing would be a game that couples would play together. <laughs> so that was maybe why they, they had kind of appealing to Lassie's graphics, because it would maybe be a game that you could get your bird along to the arcade and go like, ah, here, play us alongside me. Which, you know, gives us a nice thematic link to the intro when you were talking about playing Doom with the Misses. <laughs> Although, to give a shout out to Helen, my wee sister, I would be remiss in not mentioning she reckons that Bubble Bobble is queer-coded and maybe that the couple's design and the appealing to women was done so effectively that the game is basically just for lesbians. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, <laughs> maybe not, I'm an exception. Like they're, they're not they're not gendered, I guess. Well, and also it's um, it's uh, prominent in uh, the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror. Ah. So, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, you get this thing where you have to clear out the enemies in the screen. You move along to the next screen. You, you kind of get timed to, to do it, rather. The game's kind of forcing you to make progress. I guess they don't want you to be spending your money and then fucking getting too much of a shot on one screen. It's always fucking the bottom line there in the arcade games. Aye, I, I only got to level 10 or something. I've played it a wee bit, but I can't get much further. Once you introduce those um, baddies that look like the Ku Klux Klan, I find it starts to get quite difficult. They are called stoners. Stoners? Because <laughs> they, they throw big stones at you. Ah, ah it, was a, it was a more innocent <laughs> time, I guess. Ah, no, no, either that or the programmers were all fucking stoners ourselves. <laughs> Didn't you look far for inspiration? So you said um, in the chat about this game that it's, it's the sort of game that it makes you want to get better at it. And I think that's the sign of a good arcade game. I kind of felt that way with Fantasy Zone as well. Because it kind of makes you want to like, you know, learn the mechanics and learn the quirks of it and kind of you know, master it which I think is always a, a mark of quality. So, Bubble Bobble's no been the sort of thing that I've sat and grinded at. I've, I've no sat and played this for hours at a time. I play it maybe two or three times a day, at the very most. Again, maybe during work, like, oh, I swear, Gaff, I'm having system issues. Go and play <laughs> a wee bit of Bubble Bobble. Or, you know, in the, in the evenings, I'm doing fuck all else. I've got that fucking joystick plug in. I'm going to fucking have a wee, a wee life at this. Uh, I like to kind of wander away from things and briefly get very, very intensely into watching a wee fucking green dragon blow bubbles and try to control them and get higher and higher scores and get to, to better levels. Seeing yourself get a wee bit further every time you play is fucking immensely satisfying. Because there's all these wee little... wee little details and things to learn like you know knowing intuitively how far away the bubble gets when you fire it like to know if you're close enough to the body to get them um, and like how the bubbles behave and stuff like that it, do, it does weird things where if you like come at them for the left or the right they kind of you don't catch them they just kind of like move away for you um, I guess you've got to learn stuff like that every time I've played I've got a wee bit further a wee bit better every time could barely make it past a couple of screens to begin with uh, today, as I put in the chat, got up to fucking floor 23, which nice. I was like, fucking yeah, very good. One of the most important things for me, you pick up techniques for maximising your high scores, thereby getting you more lives, making you more likely to get further. A big one for that 
is trapping multiple enemies in bubbles at the same time and then popping them out all at once. You get fucking a tremendous amount of points for that. You also want to be on the lookout for unusual items that appear in the level or that come after you've killed enemies. Usually, they'll be fucking bananas. That's the default one. You kill somebody, they turn into bananas. But if they turn into a martini or a mug of beer, or a hot dog, what the fuck, I better check that, I bet you that's worth fucking thousands of points, <laughs> and it usually is, um, you also get to learn what all the various power-ups do, there's uh, a potion that if you drink takes you to a kind of bonus screen, there's different types of candies, which give you different power-ups, like you can shoot fucking fire for your, for your mouth rather than bubbles. Uh, the umbrella, as I was talking about, skips you ahead a couple of levels. There's also something that's a fucking bastard to learn, but once you do, it's satisfying. And that's that you can shoot a bubble out your mouth and then bounce on top of it with fucking well-timed jump presses. Oh, shit, I bop, did not realise that. Bop, <laughs> it's fucking, that's a high-level technique. Once you get a good few more levels in, you're required to do that to beat a lot of the levels. So... Fucking, there is a lot of gatekeeping as well. You kind of do all the good shit, you kind of get much further. Grinding, kind of. Oh man, well, it's not, it's not grinding so much as you're kind of just learning all these wee secrets and hidden depths, so it like that. I mean, I didn't see any of those fucking power-ups, the, the fire or the, the umbrella. I got that weird one that floods his crown with water, which is quite cool, but that was about it. Aye, that's just that bubble with some water in it. You, 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 you bop it and then... A wee river comes out. Well, as I say, I've, I've no, I've, I've no been grinding with this. Um, the, the opposite. I, I play it once. I, I have a credit, and then when I get game over, I fucking walk away. I don't, I don't ever fucking put extra yens in. I've been doing hammer and tongs. I fucking credits in. Just get the squeeze it. Hit number six, man. Just fill your bank as many <laughs> as you want. The closest for me. Uh, to bring back actually to something that Andy was talking about during the, the fantasy zone bit is um, well in terms of ports right Bubble Bobble has popped up fucking everywhere you can imagine right obviously you've got your obligatory one on the NES or the Yanks will say oh the NES one the NES one's the best blah 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 but they also had outings on the C64 uh, the Amiga the fucking MSX2 but Fucking the bestion is the fucking Master System version, man. It is the fucking daddy. And it was actually only ever released in fucking Europe and Japan. The Yanks never got it. That console wasn't, didn't really take off over there. I, I, I guess that was it. They got a Game Gear port that came out fucking nowhere else. But they didn't get a Master System, man. Very strange. Master System um, never really... Aye, Brazil and... Brazil and funny enough here... We, Master System took off here. We never really took to the Nintendo system. The Japanese version... Bubble Bobble on the Master System was called Final Bubble Bobble. So I think it nails the look and the gameplay of the arcade far better than that fucking NES one. But Aye. also they added in fucking an extra 100 levels, Oof. fucking even even more endings, uh, continues, a password system. So on the arcade one, I've got to fucking floor 23 which feels like a fucking massive achievement. It's been fucking about three weeks in the making. But on the, the Master System one, I can get it about fucking floor 50, and I'm probably going to play that in through to the end. The Master System is what I would play to practice. So, although I say I've not been grinding, I, I have been playing that one on the odd fucking sly occasion to practice Bubble Bobble as well. That's pretty cool, I think, because um, I think some developers have a tendency to half-arse their arcade ports. Although, that's maybe not always their fault, because as we said, you know, the 
the home consoles were often quite a bit technically inferior to the arcades. There's a few stinking ZX Spectrum ports of arcade games that uh, appear on kind of YouTube compilations and that. You ever seen ZX81 fucking ports? It can't, <laughs> they can't display animation, so it's like a flicker. <laughs> it's not really got a, like a, a decent sound chip either. It's literally just one one tape of beep at different pitches. So you get some lovely soundtracks on those games too. Oh, Clive Sinclair, uh, God bless him. <laughs> Speaking of the soundtrack for Bubble Bobble... It's fucking great. There's, <laughs> so there's, catchy. There's, there's two tunes in the game, right? But the main one is fucking... For me, it's up there with... It's up there with fucking level one of Sonic or level one of fucking Super Mario Bros. See the wee fucking Bubble Bobble jingle that just loops over and over again as you're fucking playing. Tremendous. And again, if we can... If we can gaze a wee tester of that, please. Aye, Absolutely. Sometimes I fucking hear that song when I close my eyes going to sleep. That was the, the yeah. first thing that, because <laughs> pretty much the only note I've written down for this is that I really like the tune. It's, um, <laughs> but you know, you know how much I love my FM synthesis. Another good example of that. I fucking love the uh, graphics as well. I don't know if it's it's something I've noticed about myself in terms of what graphics appeal to me, which is you know your mother series as well. Big fucking. Big favourite of the podcast, Aye. Earthbound. Part of the reason they even fucking called that mother was because they thought it had many a fucking feminine appeal than fucking your, your traditional RPG. Hmm. I tend to fucking like things that Japanese game developers in the 80s and 90s have went, lassies don't like this. <laughs> I think as we got, we got older, we're a bit more um, secure with, with that sort of thing. That we're, we can be comfortable liking um, you know, cute and colourful things. Fantasy Zone 100% is one of those as well. But I think, yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing how much character they can just get into those wee sprites, man. It's fucking probably something like 16 by 16 pixels or something. It's an art form, you know, getting getting that much charm out of that little information. I reckon the first time I ever laid eyes upon fucking one of these beautiful chubby wee dragon fuckers was on a bust-a-move machine. Puzzle Bobble, as it was known as in Japan. Out here it came out as something called Buster Move, right. which is a fucking shite name. That's what I know it um, well. I think the first time I seen Bob or Bob, which is a green dragon and a blue dragon, was walking past and noticing a Buster Move machine. It was never something I had the opportunity to play, but I fucking thought about it. I went, what are they wee fucking dragons, man? I want a fucking shot of that. They were fucking intensely appealing. I mean, it was the era of the mascot as well, I guess. You, you kind of wondered what everybody's deal was <laughs> with this Bubsy Day, with this Sonic Day, blah, blah, blah. Was it a Buster Move on the PlayStation, wasn't there? Buster Move has come out in everything. See, I was saying Bubble Bobble had a lot of fucking ports. Like, even just different versions of Buster Move, there are, I would wager, 
over 50 at this point. Aye, lightning struck twice for those guys, man. That's two big successes for the for the franchise that are completely different for each other. The worst tune about Buster Move is... Can either of you get on Google easily just now? Aye. Now, go into images and type in Super Buster Move PS2 to see the worst video game box art possibly of all time. Super Buster Move 2. PS2. <laughs> I remember this. Do you remember that cover? I do remember it. Oh, incredible. The baby? What were they fucking thinking? <laughs> what I know? What the fuck is that? Do you know what they're thinking? So they're fucking thinking, strange. Right, there's a lot of fucking shovelware on this PS2, of which this is probably one. So how the fuck can we make it jump out? They probably get a guy for Tarzan racing in. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, I, again, it's fucking, it's a bizarre choice, but bust a move, uh, I guess an ancestor of the original Bubble Bobble fucking is going on to be on fucking everything. Although, they brought a fucking new Bubble Bobble game out on Switch, like, a month or two ago, so fucking, the OG is still rolling, man. I don't, I don't have much else to say about Bubble Bobble other than that obviously I've been fucking completely consumed and obsessed by it. Obviously, listener, you'll not be near an arcade anytime soon. Uh, and if you try, if you, if you can't be fucked trying to get a uh, meme, which is fucking pain in the ass, or retro arch working to to emulate this, uh, I would recommend you you check out the Master System version. It's the closest to fucking the arcade in terms of the ports and. It'll be fucking easy to emulate. And again, don't sit and play it for hours. It might not be for you, but you might fucking find yourself with a new addiction like me. If anybody's, having, pain, some, if anybody's having trouble with meme, we're still trying to figure it out ourselves, but get a holidays <laughs> on a, a Facebook, man. Get a holidays, plenty of time, that's locked in shit. Back to, back to the fucking Consylvania memes with fucking Michael, Michael Caine. Still trying to get my email. <laughs> I, getting meme working is like trying to do rocket science with a fucking abacus, man. It's awful. And I'm a software developer, so... RetroArch actually made it a lot easier for me. It was just a case of fucking downloading the code and off you go. Aye, RetroArch is great. This this podcast would not be possible without RetroArch, so big up to those guys. That Golden Axe game is fucking amazing. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Save it for fucking next time, right? right? right. So, I'm going to close off by... In fact, I've got two final thoughts. Um, hey, you go, Jerry Springer. Hit me with him. Jerry Springer. I'm going to spring on you up <laughs> with this first tune. Talking a wee bit about melancholy again and how this game is supposed to be really enjoyed to its fullest with two people. It's supposed to be something you play with another person in local multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So, so it's fucking even more intensely lonely that it's something that I've got into during a fucking lockdown. Uh, it's a strange one to pick for it because you're supposed to play with other people. But I've just been fucking one player out my nut. I don't know why. I fucking love it. Aye. And the other thing is, I think everybody has a fucking classic arcade game that they just fucking get. Do you know what I mean? Like, you see people, when they go into the arcade, if they see Pac-Man, they're fucking just right out at it, fucking straight in about it. Or uh, Galaga, or McCormick, like you were talking about Joust earlier. That's always one. If I walked into one of these barcade places or something with you and they had a fucking joust machine, I'd be thinking, McCormick will be fucking all of that. <laughs> um, well, since we've been fucking, fucking about with these kind of meme games, I feel like fucking I've got my one and it's fucking Bubble Bobble. You see <laughs> a fucking Bubble Bobble machine, I am fucking on it. 
Amazing. Well, I look forward to the time. Maybe maybe in a few months when you can all come up here and we'll sit around the telly and play it as it was as it was meant. Not that long. The end's in sight, man. The end's in sight. The end's in sight. And uh, on the fucking the killer question of pocket money, is this value for money? I would say that if I get fucking say a pound a week or a pound fifty a week pocket money, and I manage to get that in twenty p's. And I had fucking ready access to Bubble Bobble. Fucking well worth it. Uh, I would only want to play it once a day. Go in, put a 20p in, have my shot. Fuck off him. Fucking tremendous value. It's your ideal session, isn't it? Aye. Nice, nice, nice. Andy? Aye. No. The task falls upon you mm-hmm. to tell us what our... What a juicy kind of third entry in this arcade extravaganza is. Aye. And, and I follow your bliss, mate. No bother. Man, Mick, if you can just hit the music, please. Tune number three, do you realise how long this takes? <laughs> so, about 100% of people listening to this podcast don't know what that was. That was the tune to Mortal Kombat. The movie? <laughs> no, the game. Uh, the movie <laughs> features fucking popular kind of... What do you call him? A scooter? A popular <laughs> don't, dance Don't lie, scooter. you're intimately familiar with scooter. <laughs> fucking Andy went through scooter. quite a... Quite a lengthy um, Euro rave period. <laughs> Fire! Aye, good times, man. But aye, uh, Mortal Kombat, basically, early 90s, man, it was, there was a big kind of focus on martial arts where it was like fucking Bloodsport and fucking John claude Van Damme or um, even people were still watching like, Bruce Lee films like Enter the Dragon and that. It was, martial arts was kind of big you had like obviously Hollywood films aimed at Wayne's as well Steven Seagal aye Steven Seagal aye how could you forget him and then uh, like Three Ninjas and Karate Kid and all that everything was all focused at this kind of fucking eastern like kind of martial arts there was a big ninja a big ninja period starting from maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then a kind of resurgence of folk going to Kung Fu lessons and aye fucking yeah ninjas eastern martial arts man aye so by it Street Fighter came out and blew everything away. That was that was basically the the arcade machine to go to um, here anyway. Or I imagine everywhere else in the world. The country used to pump fucking hundreds of pounds into this thing, man, just trying to batter each other's cunts in on screen. Like the same people would sit all day at the same machine. Try try to learn fatalities and things like that as well, man. Like before there was a fucking home console release. Like aye. Actually seeing somebody there, a fucking fatality in the flesh would have been a rare thing. Aye, especially when you've only had 8-bit games up until about 1990, and then all of a sudden like, you get 256k colours and that, and it looks fucking brilliant. I might be, it's not, it's a lot more than that, I think, but it basically looks a lot different for a fucking Master System game or an NES game. Um, the digitised graphics would have been absolutely mind-blowing at the time. Aye. You know, graphics made from, like, photos of real people. And you were kind of saying, like, because it's kind of compressed into like a lower number of pixels on the Mega Drive, it's not as noticeable that that's what it is. But when you're playing it in the arcade, aye. it looks like two fucking actual people yeah. fighting each other. Yeah, the, the arcade um, version of Mortal Kombat still stands up. Um, 
I tell you how it it feels like when it when it's presenting. There's like when you win a fight, you feel as if you're at a community tournament or the Kumite tournament, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> the, the Kumite. Kumite. I watched fucking. I watched the uh, blood sport the other day. Because you, you win a fight and you the people will clap and uh, <laughs> Shang Tsung will clap as well. You actually get a feeling that you're at a tournament. Whereas on a Mega Drive, like they kind of the back Shang Tsung just blends in with the background. There's no clapping. That it's like you really get. You get a totally different experience with arcade port. The basic- storyline of every fighting game series is just Enter the Dragon. Aye. Pretty much. Aye. Aye. Pretty much. So this game came out um, on the back of Street Fighter Two's success. There was two guys uh, from Britain. Too. Um, and this is the most kind of un-British game you can get, but if it is a British game, funny enough. Two guys, two programmers, Ed Boone, John Tobias, um, were approached by Midway Games. They wanted to release a combat game that year. Um, and they, they, they had already brought out a game called Karate Champ a few years before that. That was a, that was a fucking Amiga Stota. See yeah. the ones that are a wee bit older than us? They fucking games are fucking very well regarded, I think. Aye, so I think the people at Midway probably had the same opinion as you, man. Well, obviously hired them to make their Street Fighter 2 app killer, as it were. Ed Boone and John Tobias already had a plan. They, they said if they were ever going to do another fighting game, they wanted to do digitised graphics and have real actors come in and play parts. So instead of having like a drawn sprite, you would have like a fucking digitised version of an actor, which was something... Well, that's... That, um, that's uh, I think... I, I don't know if this is me getting muddled up with Urban Myth, but I think at one point this was a licensed game for Bloodsport. That Hence was... the Johnny Cage, John Claude Van Damme fucking double. Uh, it was mid- Midway wanted to make a Universal Soldier game and they wanted to make a digitised version of John Claude Van Damme. But he was already, I think he was already tied up with another game. <laughs> so they never got him. So they had to, I'd imagine that fucking Van Damme <laughs> was brought in to play Johnny Cage. Either that or Johnny Cage is a kind of parody of John Claude Van Damme or something. Because uh, it definitely looks like him. Because it if you think like if you think about it, there's a wee there's a wee point in there you might miss Johnny Cage, JC. Initials are JC. So John Claude. Jesus well, Christ. He does the ball punch. He does the, the splits ball punch that uh, John Claude Van Damme did and I think it was either kickbox or a blood sport. I an artistic Hollywood movie star. It does a punch it does the signature punch in the groin for blood sport, aye. It's basically John Claude Van Damme the game as a concept, aye. But Mortal Kombat's one is <laughs> most fighting games haven't got that much of a story, right? But this game fucking threw a kitchen sink at fucking narrative and story and oh, fleshing out each the, character. The whole Mortal Kombat series is one for your for your more heats. <laughs> like the the thing the thing I was talking about, I can't mind when, but like, you know, you know how they've gone tits up with a story when they add in time travel. Like the Mortal Kombat over the course of its life cycle has got fucking time travel, alternate dimensions. Parallel universes, fucking uh, uh, everything. <laughs> like, I, I wonder, right? See, because this obviously is a, this is much more a, a well-known one, right? Yes. So I can't really, in good conscience, talk to you about the first time I, I fucking became aware of Bubble Bobble. Fuck knows, it could have been four years ago. I don't know, or Fantasy Zone maybe. But Mortal Kombat, I know for a fact. We were all fucking daft about in like P3. Aye. Do you know what I mean? When we were fucking really wee guys. Aye. Andy, what, what, can you remember the your first exposure to this at all? Was it in the arcade? Was it the home consoles? What was it? No, nah, it wasn't the arcade. No, nah, I, I had the, the Mega Drive version. 
I think uh, McCormick, you had make, you had the second man, didn't you? Second man on the Mega Drive. Can't remember. And you honest. had the, I think you had the first one um, on a, a Game Gear as well. I think. Oh, I yeah, the Game Gear version. Aye, but um, I, do you know what? Is it, I'm going to talk about uh, the actual game, um, the fighting. Uh, you know how in Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 takes a lot of learning, a lot of skill. There's every single character has like, a, quite an extensive move list, sort of like Virtua Fighter in a way. I think like, they get 20 or 30 kind of moves between them. And this one, it's a lot more kind of restricted. Um, each character's got like six or seven moves, so it's not even that much. I'm... They've usually got like, a projectile move, they've usually got one and they shoot along the screen. I'll, I'll, I'll put my hands up apologetically as merely a Street Fighter 2 fan than a Mortal Kombat fan. Aye. Um, Street Fighter 2 is, I think, deceptively, it is a lot more difficult. Like, you might put a fucking credit into Street Fighter 2, get past the first couple of fights and go, ah, buff, this is a canter, I can do this, and then quickly get put in your arse. Street Fighter 2, it's, it's got the fucking chess element of Aye. some characters you're meant to use close range, Aye. some you're meant to use far away, there's mid-range fighters, it's all kind of weird fucking tactics, it's fucking, it's human chess, man, it's weird. I think in, in kind of many aspects, like, Street Fighter's considered hyper with the kind of connoisseur's choice of fighting game, the kind of, the masterpiece, whereas Mortal Kombat is relegated to sort of trash status like you know it's not it's not got the complexity or the the depth and the the themes are quite juvenile um, which is maybe a bit unfair Mortal Kombat is unashamedly what it is it relies on gimmicks it's he- very Aye. heavily relies on gimmicks and humour um, and it, it's more a case of style over substance as I was talking about earlier on like Aye. when Street Fighter 2 came out it was the shit every cunt loved it but when this came out it was like right You've played Street Fighter 2, but how about blood and gore and fatalities and fucking, you know what I mean? You can cut people's heads off and you know, that shit. Which, you know? I mean, school-aged <laughs> people, just, that's just irresistible for wee boys. Aye. And, <laughs> and, 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 don't get, and don't get me wrong, as for me too, like, although I say I, I prefer Street Fighter 2, I don't prefer Street Fighter 2 after eight pints or <laughs> smoking <laughs> a couple of buckets. Like, then I just want to see all fucking gore and fatalities and... Or the kind of funny shit. It's not a very tactical fighter, uh, technical fighter, because, like, in something like um, Virtua Fighter, or uh, even Street Fighter, like, you would have to, as you say, think about your position on screen. Um, how it, You would even need to consider blocking at times, not in fucking Mortal Kombat, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, when you jump in Mortal Kombat, right, it's as if a dice rolls. When you jump, like, one time out of three, he's going to block your jump. You know what I mean? Whereas in Street Fighter... He might only block your jump if you come at him for a certain angle and hit a certain, like, pixel. There's a weird thing with hitboxes in Mortal Kombat, I'm telling you. I was fucking about with the arcade one, and I was like, why do my uppercuts work sometimes, and other times no? <laughs> like, I, I'm sure he was closer that time, and that should have hit, but it didn't. AI, AI seems to be a case of, right, um, it's a lottery. Like, uh, Street Fighter 2, right, if you keep spamming something, right, It'll stop letting you do it. It'll stop letting you do spam and it'll use a move to, to stop you. And this, it's totally random. So you could uppercut him. Or, or, no, my favourite one is jumping and doing a somersault across the screen, kicking him, fly kicking him, and then jumping back and doing that over and over again. You can actually be... I got, I got through about half a game doing that this time, <laughs> by the way, un, unashamed. It's kind of a fine game where there's something that the AI just doesn't register. <laughs> you can just keep doing over and over again. The only way you get done in 
on that, as if the, the dice rolls, like, they'll block your kick once every three times. So you can kind of work it out. It's, it's not... It's a, it's all style, it's all great when you beat people, finish him and all that, and fucking, all well, this crazy shit. Fatalities, ripping people's spinal cords out and whatnot. But it doesn't claim to be anything else. I don't think there's ever been like a big Mortal Kombat competitive scene or anything. Nah. Uh, but it's always just, you know, targeted, you know, having a few beers, get your powers around and play some Mortal Kombat, which but is I, fine. But this is, this is why we love it. And it's, um, I, the, I mean, these two guys fucking, they, all right, they, they didn't make the the refined system that Capcom, Japanese Capcom programmers did, right? Masters. But what they done was, they brought out a machine <laughs> that, that more or less bluffed its way into the same fucking kind of success it's, bracket. As... It's, it's all about fucking cheeky, innit? Like, <laughs> I mean, fucking Street Fighter 2 is kind of for nerds when you think about it. It's like, oh, I practiced and I got really good at it. Like, fucking Mortal Kombat's kind of winking and sticking its tongue out all the way. Like, fucking... Having that fucking secret character, Ermac, in... It came about because of a programming error, but it was, like, error macro. <laughs> and it was like, no, this guy's called Ermac. He's for the fucking other dimension. And fucking... They're constantly sticking their fingers up and winking and going, way. I always remember yeah. the creator's names as well, because one of the characters is named after them. The old Noob Cybot. <laughs> noob Cybot, Aye. <laughs> I another one too. Sometimes if you get if you get a good kick in at cunt or something, uh, you'll come you'll come on the screen and go toasty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's um it's all over the place stylistically, man. But that's why we love it. Mortal Kombat is just a pure jam, and you know what you're getting, man. But see if you can see if you're back in the day. I guarantee you, and 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 large, right? Let's just say there was a Mortal Kombat cab, and there was a Street Fighter cab. See if when the Mortal Kombat one came out. All every cunt was talking about was this violent, fucking, bloody, crazy game. I bet you that... Mortal it would have cost better as well. Aye. And then Mortal Kombat would have took a lot more money in Street Fighter here, that's for sure. When you when you talked about your, your first memories of, like, when you first encountered Mortal Kombat, I just got a vision of that cabinet in Logs Arcade, and I can just see exactly where it was positioned in the in the building. Like, <laughs> just a pure, uh-huh. vivid flashback. It's just something that's stuck in my mind. The music as well, the, the, I mean, they've done everything, the, the, the art in this game, the sort of, high the artwork in this game, even right down to the music, it's done fucking brilliantly, they've, they've really, they've really went for a, a concept and they've captured it, but not so much with the gameplay, but more like the, the old, the all round package, the hype, yeah, it's 90s man, it's just the most 90s fucking fighting game you've ever played again. But aye, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a jam. In the last 10 years or so, Mark and a, Enduring fucking hang when I think about Mortal Kombat is nice and sleazy's had one of these hangs up the back. I don't know if it still does, where you put a quid in and it's got fucking a thousand arcade games fucking programmed into it or something like that. You can play anything. My enduring memory is fucking scalping people on that fucking person after person after person. Going to ask most people being like, fuck you, mate. Like, fuck you. Like, you're fucking, you're playing like a fucking cheat because uh, I knew the fucking button inputs today, Scorpion's Harpoon and Sub Zero's uh, Freeze Blast, and I just spammed them. I spammed them in kilt cunts for like an hour. <laughs> Listener, right, I want to invite you to time travel with us back to a time in the early 2010s. Where your man here, Mick Lockerty, I had moved back to Greenock momentarily 
due to some setbacks, found myself, <laughs> I think, briefly unemployed, and had linked back up with my own worker, Andy Mack. <laughs> uh, we'd linked up, we'd been meeting up for cans and things, going to a pub and that. I fucking got a Sega Mega Drive to my grandparents' house. Somehow it had made its way to the fucking cupboard there. And we went through a pure hang of on set of the nights <laughs> trying trying to complete Mortal Kombat two. That's right. Aye. And do you reckon it was a couple of months, Andy? I I don't know if I'm being hazy with the kind of time period or how long it actually took us. Right, we got to more, every every time we played it, we would get to Kintaro. Kintaro catches you in mid air, and if you approach him too much, he picks you up and body slams you. Takes half your fucking things away. Nine times out of ten, Kintaro will beat you with a, a flawless victory, man. I remember one night we were drinking, what kind of beer was it we had, man? Because it put fucking... It, it gave me a bit of Linford Christie, you know how many cheated with drugs? Wait, we were quite fond of Graffin Wilder at the time, which was, was a Lidl own brand. This was uh, a offshore shit, wasn't it? I mean, Lidl had just opened it at the time, didn't it? So I stuffed, aye, aye, I, it was the long open. I stuffed a bit of pep in it, man. <laughs> aye, so I would go raiding, the fucking... What we do is, you sieve through the first lip, Five on a totem pole. Back, then, back, forward, innit? And then you get a katana. Katana can launch fucking things at you. Things, which kind of things that people used to fan themselves? Fan? fan. <laughs> she's got razor wands, man, that she can launch at you. They're a bastard. So you need to stop going raiding at that point. So you get a choice, man. You can either go like uh, somebody's got projectiles, so you could probably go sub zero for a couple of rounds. Just freeze Katana, man, punch it up there. But after that, you've got to start thinking outside the box, man, because when you get to the top of the totem, you know, the enemies are not going to let you shoot them with They're not going to let you shoot them with a scorpion, get over here, and all that shit, you know? So you've got to actually start thinking, right, I need to learn a character. So this is the point where you can choose, like, right, am I going to learn fucking Louis Kang's moves, man, his bicycle kick and that? Well, I chose Johnny Cage. For some unknown See, reason. This is something that I've wondered, which I don't know if you chose Johnny Cage or if Johnny Cage chose you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were just best with Johnny Cage for some <laughs> unknown reason. Like Andy is pretty fucking lethal with Johnny Cage. Like, <laughs> border, borderline unbeatable for a novice, I would say. Is he not considered one of the worst characters? He uh, gets a bad rep, man. He gets a bad rep. And, and the second one, he's, he's, he's a lot more improved. You get that green plasma you can shoot in that. And you can also do the, the game of riding move. It's like back, back forward, but it's a kick. And he moves like, not as far over, but... It's not as easy for the AI to catch you type of thing. So he's actually quite powerful if you know what you're doing. Um, well, Kintaro, who had been fucking menacing us aye. for ages, but drunkenly trying to beat him for yonks, and they fucking smoked him with Johnny Cage one night, <laughs> man. Aye, so Kintaro, but he is impossible, right? Your projectiles don't work, right? You can't get too close to him. If you go, he's got this invisible full field. If you go anywhere near him, he'll fucking pick you up and body slam you. Follows victory to Kentaro, right? Pain in the ass. But there's an exploit. Some fucking dafty, I don't know if it's fucking Tobias Arbun man, has been had a city <laughs> that day. Or if they were fucking painting the fucking the artwork or whatever. But um, they've actually forgot to make Kentaro react to a Johnny Cage move, which is a kind of projectile fly kicking where you go across the screen. It makes a wee noise. Ah. So you can actually just scud Kintaro with that until he, 
Aye, until he's gone. But the minute you finish... I don't think we knew this at the time, though. No, but when you do it once, do it twice, and it keeps working, you just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. <laughs> That's Mortal Kombat. And then, when you finally beat Kentaro, after a kind of victory lap of the room, you go back to Mega Drive, realise there's no pause button, and you're halfway through a fight with fucking Shang, uh, Kung Lao. Well, Shao Kahn, who is fucking aye. easy. A fucking flawless victory, the fucker. Because he stops and fucking points at you and shouts, you will die. You will die, aye. He wastes vi- valuable seconds doing that. So yeah, you can freeze him and you can fucking hit him with harpoons and pull him over aye. and get over here. I fucked him up. Aye. Uh, but Kentaro's a real fucking final aye. boss. Kentaro, just like Goro in the first one, he's your, um, he's a secret weapon. Uh, after that, uh, what's his name? Shang Tsung is merely a flying ointment. While replaying this on name, you've, you've taken on a totem. Have you been past Goro? On on a Mega Drive, I've scudded fucking Goro many a time. But on a Aye. on arcade, no, I'm on the endurance bits on the arcade. I, see, I, I don't know. When I look at Mortal Kombat on the arcade, I see a completely different game from what's on the console. In every aspect except the gameplay, it maintains the gameplay. But in every other respect, you know, you're missing a lot if you're not going for the arcade version. There's just a lot in there um, that you're going to miss. How much of your pocket money is this fucker taking off you if you want to, for instance, even get to the endurance bits? I think the first five fights is just to kind of get you hooked. Like smack, you know, get you hooked, and then you come back for mirth, you know? Um, you can you can do you can do a good three four five fights in this on one credit. Aye, That's conceivable. Uh, you get the cannon fodder that's on you first of that. You just psh, right out of there. <laughs> and then when you get to like aye, when you get to like Louis Kang, when you get him, that's when things start getting real because he's a wee bastard man. He he's a main man. He knows fucking every trick in the book. You know what I mean? I think I actually think that fucking Shang Tsung's got a wee fancy for Louis Kang and he just doesn't admit it. You know. But um, that's like, it. He killed, he killed his brother going by the going by the movie. Aye, but well, I always get mixed up, mixed up with quick so That's kind of <laughs> it's the same, it's the same all round, isn't it? But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that this is a game that features heavily the art style um, and everything except the core gameplay. But you, it's that fucking effective and good at it that the gimmicks sort of add up to a point where you don't really notice it that much. I was looking for the kind of right metaphor earlier on, but I mean, if like, Street Fighter 2 is a fucking Wagyu steak, then, you know, Mortal Kombat's just a, a hamburger for a, a dodgy van parked across for a Fitbit stadium. I like, I like a fucking, I like a pine ball for a guy's head. I love Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's you what he wants sometimes. But as, as long as there's plenty of brown sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe this is why one of them is better when you're drunk. <laughs> ah, well, there you go, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of things fucking better. And do you know what? If you're going to say to me right now, right, you're going to play Mick at fucking a fighting game, right? There you go, you've got Mortal Kombat, and you've got fucking Street Fighter. I'm going with Mortal Kombat, man. That's it. I'm going with Mortal Kombat. Fucking Because you would, you would win at Mortal Kombat. Sega fanboy, boy, <laughs> man. I'll back my team to the fucking death, man. <laughs> but that's basically what we said. Um, obviously, it took a mad tangent after like, the third one. Never really kept up with it, but... If you go back and fucking get a shot at M3 games, man, they're, they're brilliant. And if, if you can... It still keeps up the gimmicks. Like, uh, the most recent one I played, there was like environmental elements where you could fucking smash people's heads off pillars in the background and shit like that. Know, yeah, the, the latest ones, I think the last one I played was 10. Fucking cracker. Keeps the, keeps the original spirit alive. And also, you've got a thing where you're like, 
I just want to see what new appalling shit they've added into this. <laughs> I, I think I don't know, man. I, I just like the old. I think it's just I'm getting older, man. I just like the uh, way the older one was. I don't know. It was just it was just like, <laughs> these two guys have just fucking went mental and went right. What's the most mental thing we can bring out that's going to fucking make Wayne's get after nut? And they've I'm done it. it. Aye, they've done it. And um, I, I've I've knocked the fucking the fighting system and the mechanics of the fighting system, and I think I've actually done it a wrong turn because this is a game that was released in 1992, but it was 2020. Was that 30 years nearly? Peter are still talking about this game. So, is and do you know what? It's I think it is fair to say that it is style over substance, but I think we would be doing it a wrong turn, as you're saying, to say that there is no substance yeah, there. There is because right. it's got a fucking it's got a competent fighting system that fucking works. It's just no as it's no as good as Street Fighter 2's. It's, uh, it's missing the AI. It's missing the AI. Aye. But um even if it had the AI, like, would it make Mortal Kombat a more successful game, even if it had all that intricacy? Well, I mean I don't think no, it would. not even the AI, it's in terms of competitive play, like it's not on the, the same people still play Street Fighter 2 competitively to this day. Mortal Kombat doesn't really get much. Aye, that's in. a question of balance. Aye. I don't know, man. Even if it's a franchise, like, I guarantee, I can't guarantee it, but for where we grew up anyway, if you say to any people, right, what do you remember me fondly, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? Man, I'd what, at least 7 out of 10 going to say Mortal Kombat. I'll take that bet. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you there. No. Oh, oh here. Right, right listeners. listeners. For the eight, eight people, people listening to this, <laughs> get in touch and let us know. Hi, <laughs> we should have a poll. Look, what's your jam? Street Fighter 2, whatever edition, or your original Mortal Kombat. That's a good shout. Maybe, mm. maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that. But aye, that's, that's basically um, that's basically all I've got to say about Mortal Kombat. Uh, what, I will, what, what it has done is fucking made me find meme and, made, and led me to some fucking amazing 2D games that I've. I didn't even know it existed. And it's a world we're going to keep exploring in subsequent episodes. I look forward well, to fucking hammering a few, man, to be honest. I'm looking forward to it. On that note, why don't we get on to the fucking matter at hand of swapping each other a couple of fucking meme games yep. doing this fucking Dynamite and Eddie style? So, Andy, as you've alluded to uh, a wee bit previously, um, you'll be getting Golden Axe Revenge of Death Adder. Kind of a somewhat forgotten sequel to the classic Golden Axe on arcade and Mega Drive, probably because it never came out on a home console. But all the stuff you've said you've loved about Golden Axe in the past, the big sprites, the mounts, etc. You get all that plus plus better dialed up to fifteen in the sequel. So I'm certain you'll love it. I might have already had even been having a shot of that unofficially. Save your thoughts for next time. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to do arcade games, I want to think. Sega, I want to think AM2 That's my favourite type of um, Arcade game, it's my favourite period and I, wanted to, I wanted to give you um, A game that I'm not too sure runs On the main emulator, so I'm going to play it safe And I'm going to give you um, One of the first 3D AM2 games I'm going to give you Virtua Fighter You can tell me what you think of that, first one Virtua Fighter, was it? 
Virtua Fighter, aye, have a go at it. Um, arcade version, let us know what you think. Aye, perfect. Um, I'm sure even in a week's time you'll be able to fucking scud the arse off as when you're playing as Kage, but I'll get my best shot. <laughs> um, and that leaves me for McCormick. Um, I'm going to give you the Marxist masterpiece, Hammer and Harry. Hammer and Sickle. Well, Player 2 should really be a version that you can, you know, like Sid Sickle. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a one-player game. And he very much does have the, the spirit of Karl Marx's vision and his heart throughout the game. But I'll let you discover that for yourself. <laughs> I expect a bit of social commentary. I had to look at it. It looks pretty interesting. Right, so um, I think we should possibly get the Lord Heed the last word this week. Since he's, I... uh, he's the captain and all that. So, McCormick? We shagged Sonya Blade, because who wouldn't he? We shag Sonya Blade. <laughs> and for every non-hetero normative listener, I fucking stuck one up Johnny Cage as well, right? <laughs> Aye. Well, do you know what? I pumped Sonya Blade. She wasn't up too much. So I'll stick with you more. <laughs> hey. 